Pauline was here this past week, uh, in his third lesson, he had some values for family. Uh, and he started each word with F. And the, one of the uh, first ones that he used was fun, that uh, great families need to have fun. Uh, and what he was talking about was uh, an attitude of joy or happiness. Uh, families need to have fun, enjoy life together. Uh, it's a decision to be joyful. Uh, a lot of us spend a lot of time griping and grumbling and complaining. And I don't know if we made the conscious, deci- uh, the conscious decision to do that, but probably we did not make the conscious decision to be joyful. Uh, as Paul is describing the fruit of the Spirit, one of the characteristics that he gave is to be joyful. Uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit uh, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Before this, Paul had just talked about the deeds of the flesh uh, and how that we should not practice those. Uh, and he listed them as well, envy, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, uh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Those are all negative and hurtful, hard feelings or hard characteristics. Now he says, those that have been crucified with Jesus crucify these uh, feelings of the flesh or passions of the flesh. <coughs> And instead, now they walk in the Spirit. Uh, Those who, uh, Galatians 5, verse 24, and those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another to envy, uh, envying one another. I think... As a side point here, it's very important for us to understand the importance of crucifying the old self. Now, we don't usually use that terminology. What we normally talk about when we become a Christian is repentance, where we turn from the old life to follow Jesus. But here, Paul is talking about the same thing when he says, crucify that old self with the old passions, the old way of life. Kill the old guy. Kill that old person that was envious. Kill that old person that caused divisions and strife and and anger and rivalries and divisions. And allow the new self to, to live. The new self that's in the Spirit. Allow that new self and walk according to the new self, uh, that is recreated in, in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. We're not supposed to have the passions of the world anymore. We're supposed to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the world. And and what brings joy to us is not the same thing that would bring joy to the world. Uh, Our love is for one another's good. It's not selfish love. It's not motivated by personal desires, but for the good of each other, for the good of the kingdom. For the good of our God. And that's something that we always have to remind ourselves because we live in this world. And this world is always bombarding uh, us with these, well, commercials to live for self, to live selfishly, to satisfy our own desires, to look out for our own self. 
it has an overwhelming power against us. Uh, and if we are not constantly on guard, it will overwhelm us. It will in, continually entice us uh, and it will find a weakness. And it will tempt us. And so we must always remind ourselves of how we should live. We must forever be examining ourselves and our character, our attitudes. And look at then the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit and say, well, which one am I like? Which one is more characteristic of me? How am I walking? And one of those characteristics is joy. Do I always rejoice? Does our joy supersede the circumstances of our early lives, or our earthly lives? Can we celebrate the life that God has given us? You know, there's a lot of things that interfere with joy, a lot of things that rob our joy from us. Uh, one of them is not having the things that I want. Uh, and we've all been there. We all, uh, we all understand that uh, we want things. And we look for our immediate circumstances to decide whether or not we're happy. If we've got everything we want, we've got all of the folks around us that we want, if everything's going on, our team won, uh, then, then we're happy. But if we've got the latest product, how many people wait just eagerly for each new iPhone and they're getting their iPhone the day that it comes out? And they're completely frustrated if they don't have the newest one or the newest game. Uh, all too often, we depend on products to decide whether or not we're going to be happy, to decide whether or not we have joy. But it doesn't matter what we get, one day it'll be old, one day it'll be used, one day, and probably not too far in the future. The material world may bring happiness for a few hours, but it'll never bring real deep joy. It'll never bring that sense of being satisfied with life. We'll never find happiness in possessions. God has an answer for this, and His answer is finding joy in the Lord. His answer is finding joy in holding on to Him, not things. Sometimes we let love steal our joy. That seems almost like a, a, a contradiction there. Because we really need love for joy, uh, and, and that's true. But sometimes we're looking for love in all the wrong places. We want to be part of the popular group, or we want the popular group to like us. And, and so we, we almost kill ourselves to please the popular group, to have their love or appreciation. The reality of that is that we never have their love. Because if they really loved us, we wouldn't have to have the new outfit or the new phone or uh, whatever that is. When we are unloved, we all suffer and we don't have the joy. problem is that we just look for love in the wrong place. You see, if we are depending on fallen people 
and we are all fallen. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And so if we are solely dependent upon each other to gratify that need for love, well, we're all, that need for self-esteem, uh, we're always going to be disappointed. We'll always be missing out on joy. But our God provides us with an unconditional love. Our God sees value in, even in the sinner. He doesn't appreciate the sin. He wants the sinner to change. He still sees value in every one of us. God loves us. Another thing that takes our joy from us is a sense of being just adrift. Not having a purpose in life. If we don't have something that we see as a purposeful activity, then it's hard to get up in the morning and get out and, and, and go after life. We need a clear direction in our lives. If we don't have that, it's easy to slip into despair. But if we have a clear purpose in mind, we can endure some really horrible circumstances because we know the value that's before us. If we have a purpose in life, we can get up and keep going even when the difficulty is rough. And we can keep going with a sense of satisfaction, with a sense of joy. Because there is a purpose in our life. God has an answer for us, a clear direction for His children to follow. Sometimes not having hope steals our joy. It's, it's amazing how much we can endure if we have hope that there is something better tomorrow. Ah, you look at those reality shows and they're all vying for uh, hope to win a, a big uh, grand prize or big reward. They can endure some really horrible circumstances, <laughs> some really difficult circumstances, because they have hope of winning the million dollars or the 500,000 or whatever it is. But when you don't have any hope, that's when you that's when you die. Concentration camps back in World War II, the prisoners that lost hope died within a few days. As long as there was hope, they, they struggled, they survived, they lived. God has an answer for us. When there's no hope in this world, there is hope in God. And so Paul writes to the Philippians and, and he says that he has a joy, and he encourages them to have a joy, that supersedes your circumstances, that is outside of your worldly life. He was in prison. Uh, he had hardships there, even sometimes increasing, because there were others that were trying uh, to cause him trouble, uh, increasing his, his difficulties. Paul said, that's okay. If Christ is preached, well, I'll endure pain. I'll endure hardships. I'll endure these horrible circumstances so that Jesus is proclaimed. He had already endured so many things for the sake of the gospel. That was the purpose of his life. That was his hope to serve his Lord. And so, in that context... In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. So how can a person find joy 
in the face of hardships? How is it that Paul could rejoice even though some were trying to cause him harm? It was because of his relationship with God. It was because he felt the nearness of God. He wasn't alone. Ephesians 4 verse 5, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He could say rejoice in the Lord always because he felt the nearness of God. The Lord is at hand. He's right here. You know, the Psalm 23, our God being our shepherd and walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. So here, Paul is able to rejoice because even though he's in prison, even though he's been beaten, even though he has endured all kinds of difficulties, the Lord is at hand. Paul could have a gentle spirit, not lash out in anger, because he trusted that God was near him. He could have patience with those who were trying to cause him problems. Because he knew that the Lord was near him. The Lord stood with him. And he knew that what he was doing was important to the kingdom of God. He knew that what he was doing, God would walk with him through even the shadow of death. And so Paul wasn't afraid. Paul felt the presence and the love of God. And so that gave him purpose. It gave him a sense of hope. It gave him a sense of security, uh, of love. So he could go through trial and tribulation with a peace that people without faith could not understand. He would take his problems to God. In fact, he not only here, but in other places as well. When he was having trouble, he took those problems to God. Uh, when the bad days were there and burdens were unbearable, he, well, he writes to the Corinthians about that. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Afflictions, thorns, problems, persecutions, they could not steal Paul's joy in the Lord because he put his trust in God and he took his problems to God. God gave him a sense of peace, a sense of his nearness, a sense of hope so that he could get through that. So Paul had this joy of the Spirit. He he could write back to Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the God, uh, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Believers need to take their anxieties to God. Talk to the Lord about the problems we're facing, the burdens we're carrying in prayer. And with faithful trust, worry can be released. Peaceful joy can be in our hearts. The fruit of the presence of God, the fruit of the Spirit, as we lay our burdens on Jesus. And He then carries them for us. The world can be so concerned about material things. And because of that, they can understand how we can have peace in God. How could Paul not worry about his life? His life was less important to him than the kingdom of God. And so perhaps when we are so involved and concerned and maybe it means that we've still not turned loose of the world. So we can't have that peace. Paul had a hope for of heaven that was stronger than his fear of death. The joys that he anticipated in heaven were more pleasurable than the beatings that he might have to endure. Jesus had suffered harm. Who am I to to say that it's not right for me to have to? Paul would say. In fact, it's an honor to suffer in the name of Jesus. That type of security in Christ cannot be understood by people in the world who lack that same faith. It's incomprehensible to them. Paul would go on here in Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 4 and say, Joy needs something to think about. To replace the thoughts of the pain, the thoughts of the difficulty, joy needs something to think about so that it can stay joyful. And you got to keep your focus on positive things rather than negative things. Uh, you know, you can only think about one thing at a time. Now, there are some people that claim to, they just go from thought to thought. They don't really, you can't think but of one thing at a time. Uh, when we occupy our mind with positive and joyful things, we'll keep the negative, the harmful, the hateful, the sad, the anxious things away. And Paul must have practiced that daily because he is the apostle of joy, the apostle of rejoicing, and he endured so much. So it must have been a daily thing for him. And we are encouraged to do the same thing. And so, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. God of peace will be with you. Seen him in me? Now practice them yourself. You, you, you've heard me teach, you've learned, now live this way. If we're going to be joyful, we need fulfillment and purposeful activity in service. Paul obviously had that all throughout his life, and he celebrated the lives of the Philippians who also lived with purposed activity. 
They'd send aid and relief to him and he was grateful for that. But as grateful as he was, he knew that it is God who supplies for him and for them so that God would meet their needs. It's in that context that Paul writes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now we use that verse all the time. You see it at ball games, you see it. Uh, we lift it out of context so often. The context is, if I am bearing under burdens inflicted upon me because of my faith, I can endure. I can, I will be victorious in this because in Jesus I can overcome the trials of this world. In Jesus I can overcome, uh, overcome criticism. I can overcome difficulties. I can overcome the problems that Satan sends my way. Paul did. He understood then that as he he overcame and he continued to serve God, that that service that he gave and the service that the Philippians gave as well became an aroma of praise to God, a sacrifice of praise to God. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So our service becomes a sacrifice to God, a a type of prayer, a type of praise to Him. What the Philippians did was a fragrant offering before God. And I would suggest that what we do in service... Purpose to activity, to praise God, to serve one another, becomes a fragrant aroma to God. A pleasing uh, sacrifice to Him. Uh, We don't live in a vacuum. We live in a world that's been tarnished by sin. The world needs to see our fragrant aroma. Paul was joyful experiencing the Philippians' faithfulness. And we can be joyful as we witness each one, each other, serving God in faithfulness, enduring with joy, giving service and a sweet aroma to our God in heaven. And I, I think one more thing. Paul found joy because he knew there was a reward for faithful service. There is a reward for Christians that awaits in heaven. Jesus promised a heavenly home. He will come and receive us again and take us to the home He's prepared. Uh, there's earthly promise as well. There is, there, there are things that God gives to us in this world. And Paul was confident that there's, and any other Christian's service would be rewarded. Paul tells us, your service to God will be rewarded, verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God's going to supply our needs. God's going to fulfill our lives. God will give us that peace that passes understanding. God will give us that joy. And so Paul felt a great joy in being a Christian. It brought him joy and peace that superseded uh, comprehension. It gave him purpose in his life and his living. 
It gave him a sense of community. He's part of a fellowship that serves God together. It, it gave him support beyond his circumstances. So even though he was in prison, he didn't feel abandoned. Even though he was suffering, he still had hope. It gave him an anticipation of a reward with God in heaven forever. Because God's grace is sufficient, rejoice. And again, rejoice. Because faith can move mountains, rejoice. Again, rejoice. Because hope is stronger than fear, rejoice. Because God's love is greater than Satan's hatred. Rejoice. Again, rejoice. Because His Spirit dwells in us. Rejoice. Rejoice always. Well, I hope that you have the joy of the Lord. I hope that the Spirit in you gives you a love... And a joy that the world cannot understand. When we're gathered together every Sunday, we offer an invitation. If you don't have that forget, if the old self has not died yet, it's time to crucify the old self with the deeds of the flesh. So that the new self, the product of the Spirit of God, might dwell in you. It's time for you to proclaim your faith that Jesus is the Christ. Turn your back to sin, crucifying the old self, being buried so that you can rise up out of the waters of baptism, born again with new life to be in Christ. There may be some of you that are here today that did that, but your journey has become crooked and you need prayer to help straighten that out. We'll pray with you. Our prayer warriors will be in the foyer. They'll pray with you. Some of us here at the front will pray with you. If you want to be, let's be standing. And let me encourage you, if you are not yet part of the kingdom of God, if you've not proclaimed your faith that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and been buried with Him to be raised with Him, we encourage you to come while we praise God in song.